Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, everybody. Welcome to God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Evangelist, Apostle, Prophet, Ed Eberle. I'd like to welcome everybody here tonight, and praise God, yes, yes, I am redeemed. That is a powerful, powerful statement right there, and we're going to learn about that. We're going to learn some things, what that really consists of, and just how wonderful that is. Uh, Before I get started tonight, before we even go to prayer, uh, I want to announce uh, I have a program the second Tuesday and the last Tuesday of every month now. That's where our our new schedule is, the second Tuesday I'm on and the last Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, the message tonight's going to be a two-parter. I was going to try to do in one part there, but I prayed and thought about that, and I know I couldn't do it justice because there's a lot to be covered. So this will be part one tonight. Then on the 30th of March, it'll be part two. Okay. All right, again, i say I'd like to welcome everybody on the uh, program tonight, and you're here for one purpose and one purpose only, to hear from God and have God minister to you, to direct your path, to heal you, deliver you, whatever it might be, salvation, being born again, first of all, healing your body, uh, you need answers, or whatever it might be, God wants to meet you where you're at. He's a very present help in time of need and trouble, he says in Psalms 46.1, so Keep that in mind, keep that in heart, and just expect the Lord to minister to you, okay? It might be something I say, and again, it might not be. It might just be the anointing that's on the program, but it's the anointing that stores the, destroys the yoke. It's the power of God. It isn't just words that I would say or anybody else, but it's the anointing, the presence of God that takes a hold of you and does what he wants to do. So just be open and ready for the Holy Ghost to minister to you tonight, okay? Let's, let's invite the Lord in to just to give us a, a powerful meeting tonight, okay? Heavenly Father, I just want to praise you and thank you for this wonderful privilege to be uh, on God's hour of truth, Father, ministering your word, Father. And Lord, I, I just, that's such an honor and a privilege. And I, I just ask for the anointing upon me tonight to speak that word, not my words, but your words, Father. And I ask, Lord, that the anointing be on each here, Lord, to open their minds and their hearts to receive that, Father, that you would show yourself mightily to those that are seeking your faith tonight. And in the name of Jesus, I take authority over all interferences that a work of Satan. Satan, I command you out of every home and every listener now, beginning with mine right here and beginning with every other one that hears now and in the future. I just bind you and I cast you out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you must go. You will not interfere with any decisions made. You will not interfere with anything being said in the name of Jesus. Now, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that Satan is gone. And I thank you, Lord, as as we ask you and as we invite you in by your power and your presence, your Holy Spirit, Lord. We know the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he must be invited. He must be wanted and must be desired to be in there because the Holy Spirit doesn't force his way in. So, Father, we just invite the Spirit of God in here now to minister to me and through me and into the hearers right now. And, Father, for everything that's accomplished, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, Amen and Amen and Amen. Yes, redeemed, redeemed. That That is a word tonight. That is a word, and that's a word every night. You know, the message is called, You Were and Are Redeemed. You were 
and are redeemed. And we have to keep that in mind. You were redeemed 2,000 years ago when Jesus died upon the cross and shed his blood for you. And he was resurrected. He was buried. He was resurrected. And, of course, he sprinkled the, the blood on the mercy seat. And when he did that through the resur- resurrection and everything, we were redeemed if we choose to be redeemed. Redeemed means to be rescued from loss. Now, the loss that we were rescued from was our very soul in eternity. We were redeemed from going to a lake of fire for all eternity, burning in a lake of fire of torment forever and ever and ever beyond the understanding of just how horrible that would be, how, how horrible that is. We've been redeemed from that, from loss. So that is a great loss that we would have had if we weren't redeemed. But now that is an automatic thing. That's something that you and I must choose. You see, we're redeemed. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge, we can be destroyed. Now, you have the knowledge now that you've been redeemed 2,000 years ago. You see, you have that knowledge. And now there's another scripture that says in John 8, 32, that we shall know the truth, and the truth will make us free. Well, the truth doesn't make you free. It's you knowing the truth that makes you free. Now, knowing the truth, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior in your life, if you repent and ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart and to forgive you and save you and be Lord of your life, you're saved. You see, so that is what you know now. So you see, uh, you know the truth. The truth that you know and apply will make you free. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, you have learned the truth. In other words, you're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now you have the truth and you know the truth, but now if you act on the truth that you know, you will benefit from it and you'll spend eternity with God in heaven, a place that he sent Jesus to prepare a place for you and for me. So that is the truth that we know, you see, but we have to act in that truth before it becomes a reality to us. So that's purely that simple, folks. The thief on the cross, you know, what happened there, he said, Lord, remember me. And what did Jesus say? He said, I remember you this day. He didn't go into a long spill or a long prayer or anything, but really salvation coming to Jesus is saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I've sinned. I'm sorry that I, I sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And, Lord, I believe that you died in the cross for my sins. Uh, you were died, you were buried, and you arose. And, Lord, you tell me in your word that if I call upon the name of the Lord, I will be saved. Now, I'm calling upon you now, Lord, and I ask you to come into my heart save me and be the Lord of my life. And it's really that simple, and you don't even have to say that much. Just mean it in your heart, because God doesn't hear your words out of your mouth. He's listening to what your heart is really saying. You know that? If my mouth speaks certain things and my heart's far away from it, he's not hearing the words I'm saying. He's hearing my heart. Remember the Pharisees, their words speak of me, Jesus said, but their heart is far, far away. And that's the way he looks at us. So we, we are ministering to God, we're speaking to God by our hearts, not by our lips. That's why our lips must be backed up by our heart. Out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks, and that's the way it needs to be, but the things in our heart must be the things of God, the things that will please God, the things that we need to do. Amen? Praise God. You know, I didn't didn't really intend to open up like that, but God had a purpose for me saying what I said right there, folks. He had a purpose because I had no intentions of, of, of really making an altar call right there of saying that. But he has purpose. So the most important thing that I could ever say in any program or anybody else ever will or could or will 
is first of all to be born again, coming to Jesus, because it all begins with salvation. That's the, that's the beginning, step one of the salvation plan. And that means everything. Everything else is secondary with coming to Jesus. Okay, the other things are, are sort of, and to kind of explain this to you, this is really the simplest way that I can say it, by being redeemed. You know, it's just like if you go to work for a corporation. First of all, you have to, well, be hired by the corporation, right? You put in an application. They, they hire you. Now, when you come in that corporation, you're part of that corporation, that business. So now you're eligible for the benefits of that business, aren't you? In other words, you had to be in the business. You had to be hired and be part of that before you could get insurance, a retirement program, and all the benefits, maybe a, a, a retirement program, whatever you might have. You see, you had to be part of it. So now you're part of heaven if you receive Jesus Christ. Now you are eligible for everything that, that heaven has for you, that God has given you and promises you through his promises. See, that's how that works as a Christian. So salvation is everything. It begins with salvation of the soul, as I just explained to you. Then it follows up by the, the promises. And he says in Second Peter uh that Second uh, Peter 1, verse 3 and 4, he's given everything that pertains to life and to godliness. So he gives us everything in his word through his promises. So we lack nothing to have everything and please him in every way and lack nothing in our lives. Okay. The next thing that we said right there, uh, and I like to look at, this is really the way it happens you know, when you get saved. There's a scripture in John 5, 24. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that hath sent me hath everlasting life. And he shall not come into condemnation. That means going into hell, the lake of fire, which is uh, after hell, it's a lake of fire for the eternity. But it's passed from death to life. So in other words, you were headed downward when you didn't know Jesus. I was headed downward. I didn't know Jesus Christ. But when I received him into my life, right away that downward plunge, like an airplane plunging down the crash, he turn right and going up straight there. Like a, a man that's flying the airplane, he pulls the levers back and it turns around and gets it up in the air again instead of going to crash. And that's the way it is with salvation. That immediately it turns around and you're headed on your way upward, you say. So I always think of that when I think it's headed, uh, when he says right here, it's passed from death unto life. Death is, is a lake of fire. Life is eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven. Okay. As I said a minute ago, salvation is everything. It begins with being born again, and then it's everything for your spirit, soul, and your body, according to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. But now, that is the spiritual truth, isn't it? But I want to say something to you that you have to keep in mind about that. It, that's in the spirit. Now, God gave what God gave us is reality in the spirit world, but it must manifest in the natural world which you and I are living in. We are living in a body now in a natural world. So the spiritual truth is we are saved. But his promises, in order for those promises to become a reality, a working reality in our lives, or you could say practical, we have, have it manifested, don't we? Now, we have somebody who doesn't want to see it manifested, don't we? And that's the devil, our adversary. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, according to the book of St. John, chapter 10, verse 10. He says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come at they might have life, and they might have life more abundantly. You see, that's what hinders us 
from heaven all the promises of God, all these great things. Uh, many times people say, well, why does this happen? This, this brother or sister was a fine person. They had sickness. They died. They, they lost this. They lost that. Everything literally went bad, went, went haywire, so to speak. Well, what happened is they were attacked by the enemy. And sometimes they didn't claim their promises. They didn't stand maybe properly or whatever. And anyhow, things happened. But God has given us an antidote. If we truly believe him, folks, I'm, I'm speaking the bottom line of what the scripture says. We don't always understand what's going on, and I'm not here to try to tell you I know everything. But I do know what the word of God says. He says that he came and he paid the price for our, our spirit, soul, and body for every part of us to give us abundant life here. And he wants that for you and I, you see. And when you see those around that don't have that, don't leave that discourage you because you don't know their hearts, you don't know them. Just determine that you're going to simply believe God's word because that's that's really the bottom line of it. And we're going to learn a little bit about that and, and uh, how to do that and the things that we have because it's so important because so many Christians, and this truly troubles me, and I, I, I've learned this over the years, that uh, we must come to the place to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because what happens is when we work our salvation out, that means we're working the word. We're applying the scripture to our life. And when we apply the scripture to our life, we want to make it a reality. And the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violence take it by force. We have a fight on our hands sometimes. The enemy says, no, you're not going to get this. I'm going to fight you. But how are we going to deal with that, you see? And we're going to learn a little bit through these next two weeks. We're going to learn how do you deal with that because you have an adversary. And you know something else that I, I say many times, and it's so true. In our lives, we don't have problems. There isn't such a thing as problems. You know that? I see everything as a challenge. When things come against you as a Christian, they are challenges. The challenge is negativity came against you. Now, what's the Word of God say about that I can get the victory over it? The answer is in the Scripture, you see. By the Word of God, that he's given me the way that I can overcome these things. Because God realized that he knew what you and I are going to face in this earth. So he's given us the promises, hundreds of promises he's given us because these promises, when things attack you and I, which they do, are we going to allow it to stay? Are we going to get all uh, fearful and, and just give up, quit, or just allow him just to beat up on us, the devil? Are we going to take our rightful place by the word of God, by the authority of the word of God, and get rid of it? We have the authority over Satan. We have the authority over these things that tend to hurt you and I, you see. And we need to apply that word because we're seeing a lot of people hurt these days in a lot of ways. And many times people just don't know how to apply the word of God or they just give up too quickly or the words they say or their attitudes. And There's just so many things that are involved, but it all boils down to the word is either true or the word is not true. And I believe the word of God is true. God made his word for you and I to live a life more abundantly, according to John 10.10. 10. I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly, not in fear and torment, worry, poverty-stricken, sick, uh, in, in a shape that's horrible. God does not want that for you. He doesn't want that for me. But it's up to you, and it's up to me to do what the Scripture says in order to receive the blessings that we can truly have an abundant life, you see. God did his part. Did his part. He's not going to do any more. The table has been spread for you and I. It's been a great 
buffet table there of all the promises, whatever you have need of, which promise? Is it a healing promise? Is it a money promise? Is it a peace promise? Is it a joy promise? What is it, you say? And you go to that table just like you go to a buffet uh, with a meal. You're in a natural to go where they have chicken, steak, and all these things. And you choose what you want. Well, hey, I need healing today. No, I need finances. What do we do? What are we supposed to be doing, you see? So we claim that word, you see. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Yay and amen. And well, you know what amen actually means? So be it. Yes and so be it. That's what God has to say about his promises. Not if it be your will. There isn't such a thing as if. The only time it's if it be your will prayer is when you're praying for direction or, or something you're going to do, Lord, is it your will for me to do this? Am I to go here? Am I to go there? But you don't say that your will for me to be healed. Is it your will for me to prosper? Is it your will? These are already God's will. This is a settled thing in heaven, you see. Because if you don't know something is, is God's will, how in the world can you apply faith towards it? I can't have faith towards something. I don't know if it's the will of God. So you have to have some issues settled in your mind, and that's what doing these next, uh, two messages tonight and, and also on the 30th is going to help you with. Okay? What are we redeemed from, first of all, here? Okay? All right. The curse of the law. The Bible tells us in, in Galatians 3.10, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Okay, what is the curse of the law? Well, actually, the curse of the law, to be simple, about make it as simple as I can, it, it's the penalty of sin. We've been redeemed from that. And we've redeemed from that because the one that hangeth on the tree. He curses the one that hung on the tree, and that was Jesus Christ. So he took all that sin, the penalty of sin, from you and I. In other words, I'm not guilty before God anymore. You're not guilty if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. He took it, you see. He took all that sin away from us. He paid that price, you see. Now, Let's see what, what it says in the 14th verse. I'm going to read this verse to you, too. I won't quote it to you. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. I can quote all these scriptures to you. I don't want to do that. I want to just read them to you. Cause we're going to take our time with this. Reader. It's, it's so important. Galatians 3:14, That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay? We're no longer accountable for our sin far as uh, when we come to Jesus Christ. Now, we're, we're accountable, and we give account to how we live our life. Now, don't misunderstand that. But when we received Christ as our Savior, everything was blotted out, okay? We, we have a fresh start. Now, if the blessing of Abraham might come upon us now, the blessing of Abraham covers uh, soul and body, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, in fact, we have a greater covenant in Abraham, you see. The, the covenant of Abraham was not as great as the covenant we have right now in Jesus Christ. So, being we have that, we've been redeemed through Christ, and now that we're redeemed through Christ, through knowing Christ is our Savior, we have the promise of the blessing to come to us, the things of God, because we're his child, and God wants to bless his children. He wants to use his, his children. So you see, we're his kids. We're God's kids. We're Jesus Christ is our elder brother, and we are co-workers, and God is our father. We must see things like that. We must look at it in that light because we are his kids. He wants to take care of us. He wants to do more for us than any father or mother wants to do for their kid on this earth. He wants to do more, you see. He doesn't want his children. You don't want your child sick. 
You don't want your child uh, tormented. You don't want your child in some bad disarray or something. You know, you want the best for your child. And that's the way God is with us, only many times more. For me to say he wants the best for us isn't enough because we want the best for our children, but yet he wants it so much more that I can't even adequately say it over the air, and I can't even, I can't say it, period, nobody can, of how much he wants for us today. He wants for us like we don't even know, we don't even realize how great he wants the best for us, and he wants things for us. And he knows what's best for us. So we must get that settled in our mind that he's a good God. He's not a, wants to make you, not a God that wants to make you sick or give you a hard time or just be mean to you. But I'm going to say this. There's times that God allows us to go through things or puts us through things or deals with us in a certain way it's not comfortable. And remember this, if you don't get anything else out of this, remember whatever God does to you and brings to you, knowing it's from God, it's for your best interest. It mightn't be comfortable, but it's for your best interest. Everything that God does for you is for your best interest. And you and I don't always know what's in our best interest. Certain things we can ask for or believe for, it doesn't happen because we got it. it couldn't, maybe it's not in our best interest. Maybe it would mess us up. Maybe it would get us off track, you see. We don't always know. That's where the trust feature comes in with God. He's going to give us everything according to his word in our best interest and his timing, you see. That's how God works. That's how this works, you see. He gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness that are in our best interest. So what I experience, maybe it's not comfortable from time to time, but it's in my best interest. And I've learned over the years that some things weren't too pleasant and I didn't like them. But I'll tell you this, it always came out, well, hey, that made me a much better me, you see. And it makes a much better you. You have to believe that, you see. You don't think that he's just beating you up or he doesn't love you like a devil would say or you're going through things and nobody else is because we all go through things because he wants to make each one of us a better us. We can either, either become better or we can become bitter when things come against us, you see. The, the trials of this life right here, the challenges will either make us better or bitter. Our choice, you see. I choose to become better because I believe the promises of God, and I believe God has my best interests at heart. So therefore, I'm walking that way. I've walked that way for many years, and I've seen it proving itself more and more and more. And I'm seeing it come to a, a, an area in my life now that, wow, I never even knew there was an area like this. And, and that's that's a fact, folks. And we're just beginning right now, and we're in the infancy of great things. And I'll tell you something else. A lot of people are discouraged today. They don't know what uh, is going on, and they're tormented. They don't sleep, or they're worried. They're drinking. Uh, they have mental breakdowns, heart attacks. I mean, people are going berserk today sometimes. There were a lot of happening. But I want to tell you this. God has it in control, and I want to say this right now pro- prophetically, and it's not a big secret, but God is going to have the greatest move now, it's beginning now, that ever was on this earth, even greater than when Jesus was here. Because Jesus said, spoke about the, great, the last rain, the greater rain. He said it would be a greater rain, the last rain. The last rain is a greater rain. It got things situated, the first rain, but the latter rain is going to be pouring it all in because this is the very end. This is the very end of things coming up very closely. So we're facing a time that is uh, the greatest time that we've ever experienced for God's people. It's going to be the worst time for them when they're fighting God because judgment of God is going to be falling on people because God's not a big Santa Claus in the sky. He's God, a God of mercy and love, but God is not a fool. 
God knows what's going on, and you don't mess around with the things of God and come against God and defy him and defy his word and expect to come out of it in good shape. And I'll say that to you. So fret not because God has taken care of you. He said when the enemy comes in, I quote this almost every program because this is, for me, this is the main line verse of this whole time. Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard against him. And that flood is a lot of times it will be his his work that only he can do, but we're part of that standard. He raises up a standard. We're part of the standard. The remnant army of God in the last day to destroy the works of Satan and bring as many people into the fold as we can before Jesus returns. So we are that standard. We are going to defeat. We're going to overcome. We're not going home with the moan. We're going out with a shout, folks, and that's the way God wants you and I to go. This whole dismal gospel that people are preaching sometimes it's the most depressing thing i heard i don't even want to hear it because hey my bible tells me with let the weak say i'm strong and also the bible tells me that i'm more than a conqueror through him i can do all things through him and the joy of the lord is my strength uh, there isn't any of this down the valley junk and things like that there's times that we experience some hard challenges don't misunderstand but i'm telling you this we're seated in heavenly places, and if we remain in him, he's going to pull us through things. I've never seen it fail. I've never seen, and I've known the Lord since 1970. I've seen some, I've, we've been through some very trying times. Let me tell you, I know what the stoop is. I know what the scoop is as much as anybody. But I'm going to tell you this. God always is faithful. He's faithful when I'm not. Fail him when I'm ready to give up or hang it up or forget it all. He's faithful. You know, sometimes I have felt that everything was going, I was as low. I wasn't under the, the barrel. I was I was under the barrel. I wasn't at the bottom of the barrel. But, you know, it's just one little word that hit me and snapped me right back up there, and I felt like King Kong. You know that? It's like a pillow. You can push your hand on a pillow. It's all the way down. Lift your hand up, and the thing pops up, doesn't it? And that's the way it is spiritually. I mean, one second you can be down as low as you can be. The next second God touches you, and you're as strong as you can be, and you feel like you could whip the world. That's the kind of God we serve, and that's the anointing of power of God. I'm talking about the resurrection power, that power that brought Jesus Christ back to life and resurrected him, resurrected him from the dead. That power is in you. That power is in me. We must recognize and realize that, folks. Now, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for taking over this program. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the next thing we have to keep in mind, sin and remembrance of past sin. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, that ye will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Okay, whenever Jesus died upon the cross, well, I'll put it to you this way. Back in the Old Testament, they used lambs, you know, and sheep. They used all types of sacrifices, okay, sacrificial lambs. But it didn't take the remembrance away. Uh, it took the sin away for that year, but then remembrance each year, you know, the, the chief priest went in, you know, and, and made the offering for the, to the on the sacrifice there. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. Jesus came and made that sacrifice one time, and then when he went back and it all was over and set on the right hand of the Father, and he put it in your hands and my hands, you see. He doesn't have to make a sacrifice anymore. I don't have remembrance of sins anymore. Because, you know, when you, you ask Jesus into your heart or anything that you do, you ask forgiveness, he not only forgives, but he actually forgets. You say, if you did something yesterday and you say to him today, Lord, forgive me for whatever what you did yesterday, what did you do? 
that would be how he'd reply to you because he, as far as the east is from the west, he got it out of your sight, you see. It's out of there. So you need to get it out of your mind that, hey, he forgave me. It's forgiven and forgotten. So you need to forget it and, and put it out of your mind, you see. Because we ask God's forgiveness, and we must forgive ourselves, you see. Because not forgiving yourself is as bad as not forgiving somebody because you're not forgiving yourself, and that's, that's a mark against you right there. So we need to forgive ourselves and recognize that there's no more remembrance of sins right here. And you walk in the Spirit. A lot of people say, what in the world is walking in the Spirit? Well, walking in the Spirit is, is, is not a mystical thing. It's simply being committed to God, giving yourself to God that day, each day now, not just one day, but each day. And say, Lord, take over my life. And, and having prayer and time with him, spending time with him. And then just walking out. And as you go out, you'll find that, uh, you know, you might feel anything in a sense like, oh, I am just feel great or whatever it might be. But you're going to find when you're walking in the spirit, things can come against you, but you're not going to flip out over it. You see, there's a restraint on you when you had spent time with the Lord that morning. There's a restraint that you're not going to jump out and, and hit somebody or be angry because there's just a, a mellowness that, that's upon you. And you'll find that when you go somewhere, maybe there'll be a need of somebody, maybe somebody's sick or maybe an emergency, when you're there, you'll find that you're ready to be used, you see. You're ready, willing, and able. So you're walking the spirit. One moment you might be uh, uh, going out and get a bite to eat, and all of a sudden there could be an accident somewhere, and you're praying for somebody, and God raises them up, you see. In other words, you're ready. You're ready for action, you see. You have your radio turned on, you see. And you're thinking of the Lord. You see, you're not holding your Bible, remember? You're not on your knees. But you're walking, you're thinking about the Lord, thinking about the things of God, things like this. Then you might even be thinking about things that minute. You might be talking to an old friend you met, talking about maybe some of the things of the past or whatever. But yet, God knows you're ready. He knows your radio's on. He knows you're following him. He knows all he has to do is say something to you, and you're going to do it. He might tell you that, hey, I want you to take five dollars out of your wallet and give it to that man there begging in the street. I want you to give him five dollars. He knew you'll do it, you see. So it's being ready to hear and being able to hear and do the voice of God. It's that simple. It's not mystical, it's just being ready, willing and able and obedient to God. And when sin tries to do it, like if I see a, a good looking woman walking somewhere like I heard a brother say today if if I start to think man's thoughts the wrong thing, I better turn my head. You see, I better just get away from it. Because the Bible tells us we're to cast down all imaginations in Second Corinthians 10, 5, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought. So I'm responsible for my thoughts. If the enemy tries to tempt my thoughts into the wrong thoughts, I must cast them out right away. If he does that with you, whatever way it might be, I'm just using a man thing here, seeing a lady, you see. But anything that you know is wrong, things that he's tempting you, knowing it's against God, you don't even give it a second thought. You just get that thing away like we would a fly or a bee or something like that. Okay? The next one. The next one right here is uh, that we have is sickness and disease. Okay, the 103rd Psalm says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all thy iniquities and heals all thy diseases. We have to remember, sickness and disease are not part of us. And I'll tell you something else about sickness and disease. That we, we, we talk about this, and this is a pet peeve of mine and my wife. 
I've heard people say, well, I want you to pray for my cancer. I want you to pray for my arthritis. It's not yours. When you say my, you're putting ownership upon that thing. You're claiming it for yourself, and you're giving out a stronger tie when you ask somebody to pray for you. And I've had that happen sometimes. And first of all, that terminology is wrong. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs eighteen twenty one, right? And if we speak that and you say, oh, well, that may be the slip of the word. But if you call it mine, you're, you're embracing that thing, that disease or whatever it is. You must say that thing that came against me. You must say, hey, this thing is foreign. It don't belong to me. Sickness doesn't belong to me. Disease doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to things that get to my body. You must have that kind of an attitude towards it. Too many people have an attitude sometimes because they've experienced for for so long they've not dealt with it, and therefore they've become accustomed to them like a part of them, you know. But you can't allow sickness and disease and things that are contrary to God's word to be a part of you, you see. He made provisions that you and I can get rid of that stuff, you see. So we need to be awake and dealing with, with the things alert and knowing what's of God, knowing what's of Satan, you see, and dealing with it. But... uh what we need to do is recognize we've been redeemed from them by his promise. That a promise is a redemption from the negative things, really. In other words, like I said, the meaning of the word right there, uh, to be redeemed from it, uh, simply means to be rescued from it. We need to be rescued if something gets a hold of us there. It doesn't belong in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, you know, Jesus Christ. So, therefore, when does the Holy Spirit dwell with sickness or disease? Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there sickness and disease in heaven? Of course not. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so many times, you know, I've I've done this myself. When you hear that, you'll say, well, yeah, boy, I really wish God's will would be done on this earth. Look what people are doing, hating one another, beating up one another, killing one another. That's true. I, I don't like to see it either. I'd like to see it done, you know, on earth as it is in heaven by Jesus' prayer. But something that's more important than anything is when he said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, put yourself there. And I'm going to do it right now. Thy will be done in Ed Everly's life on this earth as it is in heaven. Is it the sin? No. Is it to be sick? No. Fearful? No. Worried? No. Hateful? No. I can go over a lot of things that you can name about a million things right there that are not to be in heaven, right? So that will be done on earth in my life here while I'm on earth. Before I go to heaven, God wants his will done in Ed's life as much as possible, even though I'll never hit perfection in this life in my walk. I'm perfect in God's eyes because I'm in Christ. He sees Jesus. He doesn't see me. But uh, you and I won't be perfect in our walk. That's why we have grace. But we are to, to walk as closely as we can to the best of our ability, you see, we don't, we don't just roll over and say, oh, grace, grace, oh, God gives me grace. I can do what I want. He'll forgive me. He'll forgive me. No, 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 no. We need to be doing our best to live a godly life. He, he says we are to live a godly. He said be godly as I am godly. He wants us to be that way. Be on earth as I'm wanting you to be in heaven and what it is in heaven, you see. This is a rehearsal before heaven, folks, and I'm to be as close as I can be on this earth before I go to heaven. So recognize that right there, that will be done in my life on this earth before I depart and go to heaven. Put it on yourself because too many times 
And, and I know it's easy to do this, especially for, for preachers, ministers like myself and others. You know, we get things, you know, and a lot of times you have the tendency, if you're not careful, to be seeing the audience you're preaching to or if I'm on uh, TV or whatever thing I'm doing, radio like this and all things like that, I, I can say, well, this would be a good message. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that. But you know something, really, that message, any message that any minister gets or anybody else, we have to look at that message and apply it to us first. We're the first fruits of that message we have. Now, how do I line up to that message? Am I walking in this, or am I like a Pharisee saying, well, do as I say, not as I do? I better make sure that I'm walking those things. Perfectly, no. Am I really walking to do it, putting forth the effort? Yes. You see, it doesn't mean you're perfect in a walk because we are still a work in progress, aren't we? We we have to recognize that. That's why we can't be too tough on one another because we both, that's somebody you might be tough with, might be on the wheel right beside you. You're on the wheel of God, and he's on the wheel of God, and you're being tough on him, and you got faults, and he does too, right? So, so you have to look at it that way. You have to see that we're a work in progress, you say. But he wants us to to uh, apply what we are preaching uh, to what we are teaching. Uh, well, he said, be holy as I am holy. Be holy as I am holy, you say. And... Uh, so we have to take these things seriously because too often we don't want to apply things to ourselves. We're the best people in the world when it comes to the faults of others. We, we have a, a gift of discernment of how the person does this and how they do that, and they're bad, they're wrong. No, no we've got to be careful because what really counts and what really counts in the eyes of God is being able to put the, the light on yourself. Paul said, hey, he said, uh, I have to uh, put the light on myself in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Otherwise, I'll become a castaway after preaching the gospel to all these people. He's a great uh, man of God, but he had to do that. We all have to do that because I don't care how mighty a woman or how mighty a man of God you are, how much you've experienced or what you went through. The bottom line is you have to examine yourself because you're still in a body. You're still in a body, you see. And that's why I believe he told us we need to examine ourselves. Because how can I put the uh, little beam or the little uh, nugget in somebody else's eye, a little speck in somebody's eye, if I can't get the beam out of my own eye, you see? We need to be willing to do that because if I'm willing to look at my own faults and shortcomings, then I'm going to be able to help others with their shortcomings. In fact, there's another scripture uh, in Galatians 6.1, if I see a person overtaking a fault, it says, you that are spiritual, go with the spirit of meekness to restore that person. Otherwise, you'll be tempted. So you don't go there with a the big attitude that I'm a great man or I'm a great woman of God and just power over them and power over them. You're an old sinner. You shouldn't be doing this. You're doing bad. you got to do this. you got to do that. You don't deal with them that way. You take it in a way just to share with them the light and love. And when you do that, what happens is they'll see it usually. But if you go with the wrong attitude, you're just going to turn them off, you see. And also, you're going to make God angry at you, and you could wind up in the same position there in. So we need to we need to examine the things we do in the light of us. How would we like to be treated, or what God expects of us, or are we, are we straight ourselves? I mean, this time, I'll tell you what, some of the things that we're experiencing right now, and this time, God is trying to get us put in him first place. He's trying to put... Once that's first place, if we put leaders in first place, that they're the, the thing that's uh, going to change the world, you know, they put men there, 
God uses men. He uses men to change the world, but it's God that changes the world, you see. He brings up kings. He sets them down. He brings up presidents. He sets them down. You have to realize that God needs to get the glory for all these things. Too many times we, we treat certain people, whether they're ministers or, or politicians or or whatever they might be, movie stars, and, and you idolize them. People just crowd around. They want their autograph and all. They're just everything that there is. God doesn't want that. He wants us to treat him like that because if anybody deserves to be exalted and one that is really counts and is really the greatest, isn't it God? Isn't it Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God? Isn't it the Trinity? Isn't it God? You see, we, we, there's too much honor to man. We're just flesh and bone, you see. There's no glory in us. All we are is servants of God, mouthpieces of God. He's the one that gets all the glory. But we have a tendency to idolize people and all so-and-so is a great preacher. All go, just be there. You'll be healed. You'll be delivered. You're putting man in there saying, yeah, go there. He's there. Oh, and God will be there. God's getting a second second billing on that. And it doesn't work. Miracle service don't work that way, and the power of God doesn't work that way. If God's not singled out in first place and all attention is on him, it's not going to work. Believe me, because I conduct miracle services. I operate in those areas. And I know when I go in the wrong attitude or the wrong frame or not moving like that, I might as well walk away. Because God either is put in first place the way he wants to be or it won't happen, you see. We do it God's way. We don't do it your way. We don't do it my way. Okay, the next thing we're going to deal with here that we've been uh, delivered from right here or redeemed from. You can use the word delivered or redeemed because it means the same way we've been taken away from what would have destroyed us is fear. And that is really a big one. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. And you know the greatest thing right now in this world is coming against mankind. I'm talking about not here just in the country but around the world, fear. Fear is the greatest weapon that Satan is using. It's not disease. It's not the COVID or anything like that. It's what derives from it, and that's fear. People fearing they'll die. They're fearing they'll get COVID. They're fearing uh, they're not going to have money. They're fearing the country is just going to go berserk, and uh, they're going to have riots like everywhere that they've experienced in other areas here, you know, like in Portland and all these places where destruction came. People are fearing. They're afraid to go out of the house. They're afraid to be on an airplane. They're afraid to drive their car. Uh, they're afraid that somebody's going to get in their bank account and rob it uh, using credit cards. And this fear of, of, of being hurt, fear of loss, people have today. But God tells us, he said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So if you have the spirit of fear, where does it come from? It comes from the devil, doesn't it? And if you have the spirit of fear, that will immobilize you. You will not be able to go forward in anything. You are stuck. You are bound. You're in, you're in a rut. And if you have that spirit, he says, you can't do anything. You won't sleep right. You won't eat right. You won't talk right. You won't act right. You won't look right. And actually, it will bring sickness in your body. When you walk in fear and torment and things, it takes a part of your body and things will happen. Things happen a lot of times physically were already began uh, through a, a natural thing or a spiritual thing, you see. People sometimes, and this isn't everybody now, but people are unforgiving. Usually a lot of times you'll see arthritis. And arthritis has uh, been known 
people have been unforgiving of others, they've gotten arthritis. But now, not everybody that has arthritis is not unforgiving. You know, so don't take that down and say, well, everybody has arthritis. They must have an unforgiving spirit. No. But it takes different forms in your body because the chemicals in your body, there's certain things in your body that will act certain ways that will cause sickness and disease. It's not just uh, uh, saying, well, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, and you have to have that, and it doesn't have anything to do with your body. Oh, yes, it does. It has to do with your health. I have seen people, and I've experienced this with ministers. I've experienced with lay people. I went to, to minister or to the place just to talk to them. They were bound up with something. And as soon as they got that thing out of them, the unforgiveness or the fighting or, or an attitude, instantly they received their healing. I didn't have to pray for them. The thing that had them bound was the unforgiveness or maybe the husband and wife was fighting. I've seen that. I won't go into details. I've said it before, but I won't go into details. But I've seen it miraculously like that when the husband and wife got themselves together and, and stopped their fighting and, and made peace, that woman turned from death look to angel look. And I, I'm not exaggerating on that, right? So that woman literally glowed. That woman told me, she said uh, she worked twice as hard that next day than she ever did in her life. And I've seen it work, folks. You're in a wrong frame with the wrong attitude, unforgiveness, or, or hate in you, or whatever it might be, something that does not please God. It take a, and can take a form in your body right there. That, that body is going to stay that way until you get it out of your system. It isn't prayer that you need. You need to let something go. You need to forgive. You need to make things right, you say. Uh, sometimes that's what causes these things, is sickness. And we're, we're talking about uh, fear now, and we talked about sickness a little bit ago, but uh, we're talking how those two are so closely connected. But he, said, he said, I didn't give you fear. It's a spirit. He said, I would give you power. I've given you love and a sound mind. In other words, if your mind is kind of tilt and going back and forth and you get all out of, bent out of shape and you're worried and you're just, just kind of going around in circles, God didn't give that to you. He didn't want you to have it. You need to stop. You're, you're in a mental situation like now. Stop. Stop it and say this verse. Quote this verse. Say it. God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but he gave me power. He gave me love, and he gave me a sound mind. I will not take this disrupted mind here messing me up that I can't think it. I'm just going haywire. I'm just flipping out here. I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right now. And, God, I thank you. you. You didn't give me any fear, but you give me power, love, and a sound mind. And, Satan, I command the spirit of fear out of me right now. Spirit of fear, you must go. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, fear, all spirit of fear must leave. It must leave in the name of Jesus. Get rid of that like you would if there's a load of garbage somebody delivered in your living room. I mean, you need to feel about it that way right there. Somebody would come in your house and put a, a, a truckload of garbage in your room and say, get that out of here, get that out of here. Well, that's the way we need to be about this junk that comes against us, things called fear, spirit of fear and, and intimidation and things like that, and say, hey, I have power. I have resurrection power in me. God's resurrection power is in me. I have love. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. According to 1 John 5, 5, it's shed abroad in my heart. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And I have a, a stable, sound mind, a mind that has the mind of Christ and a fixed mind, and a mind that trusts Jesus Christ, and a mind that loves God, and a mind that knows that I'm more than a conqueror in this life. That's what my mind is. I'm not defeated. I don't have fear. I don't have any fear. I will not accept fear. And you need to deal with it like you have to deal with it harshly. Cast it down. 
Second uh, Corinthians ten five cast down all imaginations, and that's really an imagination too. A spirit of fear it, it can take a form like that because it, you're fearing over things, imagining things are going to go. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to die. I'm going to lose my money. I'm going to lose this. I'm, it comes upon people. I know I have it happen to me just like you do or anybody else does. Not as frequently, believe me. I don't have it as frequently, but I had an attack here uh, about two weeks a week ago, I guess it was. Upon me, I won't tell you what it was, but it was an attack. I thought, oh my heavens, what's this? And I dealt with it right there. But uh, sometimes they will. But you have to be as uh, the kingdom of God suffers violence. The violence take it by force. You must take that by force. You take that peace by force, and you don't allow fear in your life. You got to get rid of that. You will not tolerate it in there. That is garbage, and I will not take this because my body belongs to the Holy Spirit. He dwells in there, and the kingdom of God is in my heart. I have I have his power, but his resurrection power in me. I have his anointing in me. I have these things in me. It's what you need to see and say because we all have it. It's all the potential. We have potential in every one of us. We all have that resurrection power God gives us that we receive, especially with the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence speaking in tongues. That's where it really comes from, and we have that. That's what really gives us the ability to walk as Jesus did in John fourteen twelve. The things that I do, so shall you do even greater things, because I go to my Father, which is in heaven. So, you see, we have it within us. But what good is it if I have all this within me if I don't use it? It's only as good as what you use. If you had a million dollars in your wallet, you could still start the death that you didn't take that million dollars when you went to a restaurant or out to buy groceries and, and uh, say, well, I don't have anything I can't buy, but yet you had a million dollars and you starved to death. Why did you starve to death? Why didn't you use a million dollars? You had that in your wallet. No excuse, right? And that's the way it is with the things that God descriptions right there. How many people are dying? How many people are sick? How many people are losing out because they don't use it? They really don't use it. They're using it improperly, you see. They have all heaven within them. But yet hell breaks loose and hurts them, you see, or, or, or destroys them. And many people are like that. We all had our attacks. I understand those things very well. But I'm telling you that God made the way through his promises, you see, to give us everything that pertains to life, that we can live an abundant life, and you must see it only that way, only that way. You have to have your mind set there and determine you will settle for nothing less. Once you settle your mind to that and you do the battle of faith, that's what faith is, you know. We say we're to walk in faith. You know what really faith is in this life? And I'm going to simplify it because a lot of people try to put a lot of things on it, and it's, it's simple. To me, it's simple. Some people might be complicated. Faith is simply making God's word work in your life, applying his scripture to your life and applying your faith and bringing to pass what the scripture says. What the scripture promises you and what the scripture says you are and who you are, what you're to do and what you can have. Bring those things to pass in your life. That's what faith is, the battle of faith to bring them to pass. Because didn't I say earlier, you have an adversary trying to stop you? Well, you stop him, you see. My kingdom of God suffers violence, the violence take it by force. You take it by force. You're not taken by force from God. He puts it out there, but you've got somebody blocking. You take it from him by force, you see. And when you do that, you have it, you see. So that's, that's what it's about, the fight of faith, the battle of faith. That's what the battle of faith is, making God's word a reality of who I am, what I can do, and what I can have. Who I am, what I can do, and what I can have. Making it a reality in your life against what you feel, 
see, smell, what people say, what your mind thinks, what the devil says, or whatever it is, come hell or high water, you are what the Bible says you are. Stop listening to the world. Stop listening to your own mind. Stop listening to the devil. Stop listening to these negative Nellies. Just get away from this junk because God's word is true and forever settled in heaven. Go by the word of God. That's, that's the best way I know how to tell you those things. I, I tell myself those things because I've got to and you've got to if you're going to walk a victorious life here. Okay, where were we at? Okay, we did fear, all right? Fear. Okay, lack, lack, lack. You know something? That is very simple to to end that right away. You want me to tell you how? What's the 23rd Psalm, one of the most familiar psalms in the Bible, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. The Lord's my shepherd. What does that mean, I shall not want? It means I shall not want or be in need, right? Now, you see people in need, right? I shall not want. So if you're in need and he says, I shall not want, that means that he must be going to meet that need, doesn't it? If you go by the way he tells you how to get that need met. You see, every promise in the Bible has a condition with it, you see. Has a condition with it. Are you meeting that condition? Are you... Speaking the word of God over those things. First of all, are you declaring what the Bible says of whatever the promise is? Are you speaking it out with your mouth? You believe it in your heart. You believe so much of that. You believe I've got it now. It began spiritually. It hasn't manifested in my life, but I believe it began spiritually, so I have it. I'm not going to have it. I have it. All it has to do is just become a reality to me. Mark eleven twenty four: the things you desire when you pray, believe it you receive them, you will have them. Believe and receive, you see. You believe and you'll get it. Believe and receive it. But you receive it by faith. So you don't believe it by faith. You receive it by faith because you, it takes faith to believe. So you already got that. But it's faith to receive it. And receiving it means I'm not going to get it. I got it. So when you're praying for somebody prays for you, healing or whatever it might be, uh, you don't say, well, uh, uh, I pray to receive something. How many people are going to receive their healing tonight? Well, if you have a line of people there and you're praying for them, they should all say they're going to receive their healing. Let me tell you why. A lot of people are saying, unless I feel it's here or it's a miracle, I didn't receive it. They consider seeing it or a miracle as receiving it. But receiving it is an action by you that when you pray for or you pray for yourself, which is the best, pray for yourself and you claim it, like Mark eleven twenty four, I've got it now. I've got it now. You pray for something right now, like my clock right now, just about 8 o'clock. If I'm praying for something and receiving something from God, I'm claiming what the Scripture says, by your stripes I'm healed. I claim it right now, we'll say, at 8 o'clock. Okay, I've named the time, all right? And when I name a time, I received it by faith. Maybe I didn't feel it. Maybe it didn't manifest. This didn't happen. But I got it just as real as I would if it had been a miracle. And if I keep that attitude in my mind, if I speak that in my mouth and don't speak negative words, and I thank God for it, and I declare it vocally, because we speak to the mountains to be removed, you see, and that's where a lot of people miss it. They don't say it out of their mouth like I'm speaking now. I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes I'm made whole. I am healed. I am well. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody asks you about something, you don't say, oh, I have this, I have that. No, 
by faith I'm healed in the name of Jesus. That's how you reply to it. You're not lying to them. You're saying, by faith I'm healed in Jesus' name. That's what you say. You're not saying, well, yes, I'm, I'm healed and the symptom's still there or they can still see the problem. I'm healed by my faith in Jesus Christ, by the word of God, by his stripes. I'm made whole. That's it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. And a lot of times when you do that, what will happen when it actually happens sometimes, you don't even recognize it because you've been in the mode of I have it that when it actually happens, you assume right along you had it. So you say, oh, I do have it. It did manifest, though. That's how it takes you. I've had that happen before. I'm sure others are listening to this had that happen, too. But you, you believe and you receive, you see. You receive it because I already got it. So anybody that's standing in a healing line, if you ask them, say, who's going to see the healing night? If somebody's just kind of scratching their head and say, well, I hope I do. I'm going to believe God. If you don't say, I'm going to receive it tonight, you don't have an attitude that I'm going to receive it tonight. I believe it, whether it manifests miraculously or not, I've got it. I make this my night of receiving, and I will not back down for that. I'll thank God for it, and I won't ask him twice. I won't ask him twice because I accept I got it. When I feel like saying, oh, God, I don't feel good, heal me, heal me, heal me, I'm not going to say that junk because that's that's telling him I didn't believe in the first place when, when it happened, I said I believed it. Now I don't believe it. Heal me, heal me, Lord. No, I'm going to say thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord, because the devil sometimes will put pressure on you in a situation like that. He will put pressure on you to bring the, the pain or whatever it is, but that's where the kingdom of God suffers violence, the violence taken by force. You have to take it by force of standing there and speaking that word and thanking God for it until it releases, you see. And it, it must release because either that or the word of God's a lie. Amen. If you have a right heart, if your heart is right, and you're doing that in faith and you watch your words, it has to happen, or otherwise the Bible wouldn't be true. But anybody that's being prayed for, are you going to be healed? If they don't say that, they don't have the right attitude. If it's going to have to be a miracle or nothing else, uh-uh. No, you wouldn't have attitude. I'm healed. Whether it's a miracle or not, or I've seen it happen three and four hours later, blind eyes open. I've seen things happen like this but uh the bottom line to all healing and everything is i got it now and we pray it's it this is it and when you have that attitude let me tell you it's got to be more miracles and it's got to be a lot more healings amen that's how it works folks i'm telling you some things here that the spirit of god is bringing things out in this message now i i had no thought about bringing things like it. this isn't what i've i've I look over the message and prayed what to do because from the getting over here this thing has started out different from what I even expected to talk about. It really did, folks. This is the Lord. It's not me. I believe it. I live like this, but, hey, this is God. Now, let, let's read uh, in lack again. We're on lack. Uh, yeah, this will be the last portion I'm going to read tonight because, like I say, it's a two-parter. I think I might take – well, I think I better end with this. Uh, in Deuteronomy 28:11, it says, And the Lord shall make you plenteous and goods in the fruit of your body, and the, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy ground, in the land which God the Lord swore unto thy fathers to give thee. Now, that is physical. That is money. In the day's age, we could say money and land and things like that. That is financial wealth. And he said, I'll make you plenteous and goods in the fruit of, the, of your body, the fruit of the cattle, and all these things. Now, they were farmers back then. They were cattlemen and everything. And that's how God blessed them. That's, but to bring it in today's terminology, how it is, is he prospers us, you see. 
Beloved, I wish above all things that thou will prosper and be in health as thy soul prospers, Third John 2. And notice it says, prosper and be in health as thy soul prospers. That means no lack. Now, how is your soul prosper? By the word of God, right? As I prosper and learn and understand God's word more and apply it more, become more proficient and act upon it more, I am going to prosper greater in the spirit, in the natural, in every arena of life. Life is going to become better for me. Life is going to become better for you as we prosper in our souls. He said in uh, in uh, Joshua one eight, he says, uh, excuse me, Joshua eight one, he said we're to meditate upon the word day and night. And he said if we do that, we'll make our way successful. Meditate on my word day and night. And you will make your way successful. God don't make your way successful, but you will do it because you're obeying what God told you to do. And because you obeyed that word, God said, well, that man obeyed my word, so he will be prospered. He's going to prosper, you say. His way will prosper because he's meditated on my word. He's taken us to heart. So you see there's something that you and I have to do in these things. It's not just uh, a way that we just sit down and say, do it, Lord. There's some things that you and I have to be doing, some things that we have to overcome, some things that we have to learn and grow and know. Because God, like I said in the onset of this, this meeting here tonight, this, this uh, message, God has done everything that he's going to do. Now it's up to you and I to do our part, you see. And our part are still things we need to do. Just like I, I spoke on, a, on my program today that I was on a, a do every Thursday, I said God sat down, he, he's done his part. Now it's on us. It's what we do. It's up to us. Most things are up to us, how we prosper financially, physically, our ministries, family. It really is up to us. We say, well, it's up to the Lord what he wants to do. He already did what he wants to do, and he did everything that we can prosper in these things like we never even realized. But when he sat down, he said, okay, I did everything to make things for you like you never even could realize and understand it's so great for you. I want to make things great for you. But he said, you have to uh, apply what I told you to do. Now, let me say one more thing. I'm not going to go on with the message any longer, and it's what we're going over. We'll be picking up where we left off three weeks tonight, which would be the 30th, 30th of March. But let me say this to you. Uh, in the things that we do and everything, uh, we have to recognize uh, when we are living a uh, a way of life that he wants us to live. There's times that things that happen in our life that don't make sense. We have things that are difficult to come against us, and it looks like we're going, instead of going east, we're going west, you know, or it seems like we're headed the wrong direction, or I thought we were going here. Something we have to recognize, yes, thank you, Lord, is the word trust, right? The word trust. Now, trust is simply this. God's word tells us, he said, his ways are not our ways, but they're they're not our ways, but they're higher ways, right? His ways and thoughts are not ours, but uh, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, his ways are not our ways, but they're higher. So now, I think I should go a certain way. But it seems like I'm heading another way. This don't make sense, but I think I should be doing this. Well, see, first of all, 
I'm not thinking like God because his ways are higher than mine and his thoughts are higher than aren't his ways. Therefore, I'm thinking my ways. So when I'm headed another direction that doesn't appear that I, I think shouldn't be, I have to say, well, listen, God's ways are not mine. His thoughts are higher. He has a better way. So I'm just going to simply trust him. That's the way we have to deal with ourselves because I've had many times that things, this, this isn't going the way I thought or what I wanted to happen. But trust comes in. You see, faith is a great thing. It takes faith to please God. You can't please him without faith. But after we deprive faith in things, whatever occurs, trust is in there because it might be the way you think it's going to happen. Circumstances, situations, callings, whatever it might be, it's not our way. Most of the time it isn't our way because you, you never can really think of it unless God gives you a revelation of it because you can't possibly know it because your ways and thoughts aren't his. You have to accept that fact. We, we're our own worst enemy. We have things a lot of times preconceived that should move a lot faster. Well, well Lord, I can do something here. I can speed this thing along. I, I know it's working, but, hey, I can do faster. Let me give you my two cents. Well, what's James 1.4 say? Let patience of your her perfect work, and you'll lack nothing. So you see, with our faith, we must apply patience. If we don't, we're going to step in the arena to do the work of the Holy Ghost, and we're going to mess the whole thing up. It's all going to be messed up, and then we're going to say, Oh, God, I messed this thing up. Forgive me. Help me, Lord. I wrecked. I made a, made a mess out of it. You started in the spirit, God, but I thought I could do a good job and finish it in my flesh by my great brains, my great thoughts. You see? And, and that's how it happens a lot of times. You get impatient. And I know the greatest thing to have, believe me, is patience. But I tell you, I know the things that we've been waiting on, my wife and I, for 35 and 40 years, we're seeing them happen now. They're starting to happen. I mean, I know what this is. I know what the Abraham faith is, and I know what all these other faiths is by the people like uh, David and how they stood for years and years waiting on things. And I, I'm not trying to set myself up trying to impress anybody here, but I'm saying I know what it requires when you know when you're no, and you keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I'm going to tell you this. When you wait and wait for periods of time, that means something is greater there for you, and the greater and the longer the wait, the harder to get to it, the greater the thing is, folks. The greater the thing is. Those that have been are hearing my voice right now, have you been standing a long time for things, doing things right a long time, following God? You know if you know, and you know the things are promised to you. Take it to the bank because the vision is appointed for a perfect or a, a appointed time, and it will not lie. It's going to come to pass. And that's how we have to focus on things in our lives right now uh, in these areas because it's a matter of trust. Because trust is the bottom line to everything I could tell you. It's beyond faith. Because after you apply faith, you have to trust. No matter what that way faith is directing you to get the result in your life, you've got to trust God that he's doing it the best way for your betterment. It's, it's always for your best. People will do things and say things for you and put you in places that's for their betterment, not for yours. They could care less about what's good for you. It's what's good for them. But with God, he always, 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 always does everything for a better us, to make us a better us. And you see that when you allow him to do it. You say, hey, I'm a better man than I used to be. And I can say that about myself, what God has done in my life. I mean, I, I don't understand it, and it just amazes me what he's done, and it blows my mind, and I, I can't even hardly discuss it. I mean, I, I shouldn't even probably be saying it because it's, 
it's beyond no man can can do it. No man can talk and teach these things. It's, it's like the old saying, it's better felt than taught. But how sweet it is, I tell you, we yield to God because he, and it's only, <laughs> it's only beginning, folks. We, we're, we're getting a dark glimpse of everything. We ain't seen nothing yet. I had a prophet tell me one time, I, I'd always stay at the pulpit. I'd say, uh, you know, folks, and I didn't say this out of pride in any way, or t- some people try to use their humility for pride. But I said, you know, and I've seen a lot of things, folks, over the years. But I said, you know, I said, I really haven't seen nothing yet. And one time, or was time after that, I was in a meeting, my wife and I, and didn't know the man, and he's a prophet. And uh, he'd come up to us. He didn't speak to us. He said, God told me to tell you something. I said, what, what's that? You haven't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen nothing yet. And he verified it. I mean, that validated it, and I knew that to be a truth. I, I knew that in my spirit. I didn't say that to look good or sound good. And I'm going to give you another verse right here. Uh, right here was given to me a number of years ago. I've said it a number of times, but this is for the time for it to happen, folks. That's why I use these things a lot that I quote, because this is a season for it. This isn't in something my head. This is in the now. This is this is like the name of the program. It's a now thing, God's hour of truth. Habakkuk 1.5 was given to me, and it's not just to me. I've given it to other people because it applied to them too, but I'm going to read it. Behold you among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. In other words, he's saying, folks, you listeners out there and me that's doing the speaking here, he said, if I told you all what I'm going to do, you wouldn't believe me. I don't care how much faith you have. He was speaking to everybody. He wasn't just speaking to you and I or certain people. He was speaking to mankind, uh, spiritual mankind. He said, if I tell you folks as my children what I'm going to do, you wouldn't even believe it. That's how great it is, folks. So it's beyond you and I. Amen. It's beyond you and I. So praise God. Uh, truly, the greater days are ahead. So this is no day to be down and out. This is a day to have joy and peace and strength. This is a day to shout, folks. This is a day to shout. And I mean that. I'm not trying to hype anybody up. I don't do hype. I do what's in my own heart, and I feel it in my own heart. I have it in my heart, and it wasn't put in me by, by jumping up and down. It was put in me by the Holy Ghost. What I get, what I say is given to me by the Holy Ghost. I don't copy after any other preacher. I seldom watch any other minister. I'll be honest with you. I don't. used to be a day I did that, but God pulled me away from all of it. I don't watch Christian television rarely. I look at things God will help me look and do certain things, read certain things, but I get my information like Paul did from the backside of the devil. Not to say I know everything, but I, I get things from others that be, will stimulate me. They'll say something and then encourage me to, like a, a minister might say something out here, and uh, and I'll be stimulated and go into something deeper. Uh, we, uh, I have a pastor now. Don't get me wrong. I, I stream with a pastor, a powerful man of God that blessed me every Sunday. As far as I'm concerned, the greatest church in the world. And I'm not impartial to it. I'm not going to name names or anything. But for what I learned and what I got with Jewish roots and everything, it's, it's just a blessing. And I just praise God for it. So we learn from one another. In fact, the fivefold ministry is to teach, is to minister. But we all have different paths. And God has taken me on a little different path than a lot of people. He really has. And I used to kind of question it. But uh, my life that I live now, what God is doing and what I'm seeing and do through my wife and myself, I, I know it was the path of God because we didn't get, in our spiritual walk where we are 
if we were befalling the devil or we were disobedient. So I just praise God for it. I just thank God for it. So in closing now, folks, I just want to encourage you all. And like I say, we have an on-demand section, not just for my programs, uh, but Reaching Out Radio International, we have uh, over 500 programs on there. It was back a number of years. And you can search uh, those and go back for as you just uh, go through them, you know, and listen to them. In fact, when this program is over, the time will be up, and then it will be reposted just minutes after that. So you can hear this again because you need to listen to this again. And, and, and the next one you're going to need to listen to because write these things down, think about them, meditate on them. How do they apply to me? How they apply to me? Ask yourself because they do apply to you. But he'll show you how to do it and, and the way he wants it done, and it's going to lead you to victory, okay? Okay, let's close in prayer here, and I want you just to praise God and just thank God for what he's doing in your life. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this this program tonight. Lord, I thank you how you did it. Lord, I, I don't even know what I said, Father. I don't know what went on. But, Father, I'm going to listen to the program, and I know it will bless me too because you're present, Father. And, Father, I just ask, Father, tonight that those have listened, Lord, that, that they will make it a part of them, just like I choose myself to do the same thing as they do. Make it a part of their lives, Father. Help them in this thing that they will have a greater life. And those that know Jesus will do what I said in the altar call, Father, just to receive him as Lord and Savior. And those that are or sick in body, in the name of Jesus, I declare him healed. I command sickness, disease, and curses off of anybody right now that is sick, and I speak and I release the anointing of God into your body in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. I release that anointing into the sick right now in Jesus', Jesus name. In peace, I speak peace over everybody listening. Minds, peace, no fear. Spirit of fear must leave every household. And I speak love and mercy and strength and a new presence in your life and in your household, a new beginning for you all, Father. Yes, Father, a new beginning for these people, Father. Give them a new beginning, Father, a new lease on life. And, Father, just bless these people, Father. I, I, I Really, Lord, I'm just really out of words with it, Lord. I just, I just say, <laughs> oh, let your anointing, let your anointing right now flow through these lines, touching every one of these men, women, boys, and girls, Father. Here in the United States and around the world, those that are hearing it, in the name of Jesus, Father, let your anointing become a reality that the people will know that you are for real. We're not talking about a figment of imagination. We're talking about a living God, a living, loving God that cares for them and cares and loves each one of them, Father. I just give you all the glory and all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we ask, and we thank you, Father. Amen and amen and amen. Okay, folks, I really enjoyed being with you tonight. I was blessed myself, and I just praise God for this. And just turn your lives over to the Lord. And listen, if you get a chance to listen to this again, just let the Lord minister to you because it's you and him. It has nothing to do with me or anybody else. But it has all to do with you and Jesus. Jesus and you is what it's about. Nobody else, you and Jesus. I love you all. We'll do part two here, Lord willing, on the 30th of March, three weeks from the night. As I said at the onset here, I have the program the second Tuesday and the last Tuesday at 7 o'clock every month. Okay? 
Love you all. We'll see you then. God bless you all. Good night, pal.